Hi everyone, this is Bahadur from D2Cville. D2Cville is a story-driven platform where we talk about direct-to-consumer brands, e-commerce technologies, and everything about D2C world. And today, in this new episode of D2Cville's podcast, we are together with Maxim Gelman, Chief Strudel and founder of Strudels. The brand is based in London and offers a wide range of edible and eco-friendly tableware products like their famous pasta straw and edible cups, bowls, and spoons. Welcome, Max. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you very much. No, very, very well. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Amazing. Um, where are you dialing from? <laughs> dialing. It's, a, it's embarrassing to say. Well, obviously, I'm based in London, but I'm at a trade show, so I found a family room, which is basically where you change diapers. And uh, so any, any background noise excuse, let's just hope, fingers crossed, there's no families coming in with kids in the next uh, 20 minutes. So yeah, it's, but I guess it's founder's life there for you. So it's the only quiet room in this whole big trade show. Amazing, amazing. I mean, like whenever the opportunity is present, you don't exactly. want to miss that. So No, exactly. <laughs> All right. Once again, thank you very much. Um, I did a little bit of an introduction and to be honest, I really like what you guys are doing. It's very Thank inspiring. You. I don't think you can, you can come across such a brand uh, every day. It's definitely one of a kind thing. So for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit more about your brand? Yeah. What does your brand do? Yeah, no, thank you very much. I'll try to keep it short. because um, So I think as a company, I'm trying to rewire sustainability communication because I think it's a global phenomena everyone's aware of how bad plastic is but then the problem is that this whole topic is communicated in a very doom and gloom type fashion it's also very daunting the imagery the communication the wording um, and uh, that's only on a personal level for corporates it's even worse so uh, most of those companies don't know how to talk about it and if they do talk about it they throw around big buzzwords like carbon footprint zero waste um, and it's all very, again, no one really understands what it is, and it's a lot of like a tick-boxing exercise. Um, and then it's also a little bit of a vicious circle because it's a big company, let's say you're a stadium, uh, you can only talk about the big change, so the whole stadium gone green, you can't talk about the small thing you've made, which leads to the problem that like people think, oh yeah, small changes don't matter because we don't hear about them. So it's a little bit of a vicious circle. So. I believe as a company that we rather need millions of people doing sustainability imperfectly rather than a few doing it perfectly and also that the messaging needs to be delivered in a fun, happy way, not that Uncle Sam finger pointing, but kind of let's give people tangible solutions, something that's more importantly uncompromising because there is a big stereotype of sustainability is uh yeah like you have to change your life it's all more expensive and like yeah, like so that's exactly what i'm trying to do it's uncompromising so one of my products is a pasta drinking straw so you can still go get drunk but do it sustainably uh no compromise on the drinking quality same with the cups bowls and plates so um and then also the approach is to one of fun so again yes i have products but i'm building a brand in sustainability so if the viewers slash listeners if you look at the websites we have a little character called Mr. Strudels so the idea is to establish him as the symbol of new sustainability so kind of like what David Attenborough and Greta stand for that side of sustainability my mission is to create a sustainability 2.0 that's fun and uh, easy to use and inspiring and so the products are just basically a way to to get there so as you mentioned we have 
faster drinking straws, edible spoons, cups, plates, and bowls. We most recently launched some activity um, boxes for kids to again get rid of plastic in kids' presence. And so, as a, and I'll stop after that. So, I think as a company, the big thing I'm trying to do is sustainability immersion. Because it's fine to throw nice brochures at people and make nice documentaries, but by experiencing sustainability, by eating your bowl, that's a very different synopsis are being connected. So that's that's the big difference. That that's my angle to talk about sustainability, create those touch points, and then hopefully have people make some changes two, three, five years from now. But it's something people will remember. I'll stop mm-hmm. there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I mean, this this is an amazing story. It it comes from a personal point of view. And I have many questions to ask. See, let's see how how many I can fit in. <laughs> yeah, um, so, you mentioned why sustainability is important for you, and it's actually a problem that we should all be looking at. And you mentioned the kids as well. So, if you want to leave a future, a good future for yes. our kids, we are not only responsible ourselves, but we should also educate our kids about it. And it seems like your product is loved by kids. Correct. Um, what what was in mind? Like, did you think about kids when you were designing the character? Um. So to be very honest, I'm like, so that's partly my problem because obviously my products appeal to everything from kids to uh, like restaurants, bars, stadiums to the hospital sector. Um. So my problem is I don't. Well, I'm consciously trying not to be put in the kids' drawer. So um, it's more like so. Playful is, I think, the more the term that I'm trying to associate myself with. Yes, maybe I know a couple of years from now, Mr. Strudels needs a little bit of a modernization as a, as a character. But like, um, yes, obviously. Every, so I think, look, kids is the low hanging fruit. It's obviously the easiest. But also, obviously, have all those other audiences as well besides kids. Um, and so I think, um, yes, everything. So the character was designed with kids in mind, but it had to be universal. So to be, again, taking even one step back, so the character is designed in a way that you can, I mean, I, I know, uh, where, depending on where people grow up, like back in, in the childhood, there was like those little dolls. You can cut out the, the clothing and put on them. So Mr. Strudels is designed a little bit like that, whether you're whatever, a football club, uh, an insurance company, you have a corporate logo, you have corporate colors. So you can dress, uh, he has a top hat, so you can put your logo on the top hat. You can give him a jersey, you can give him a scarf. So yes, he is appealing for kids, but he is playful and there to obviously be a spokesperson. The, the main ob- objective is he makes people smile. And yes, and that goes obviously from kids to adults. But yeah, that, that, that's probably, I'm sure we'll come to challenges eventually, but that's one of those marketing company challenges because my target audience is anyone and everyone. Um, yeah, that, so that's, uh, that's kind of like a, in a nutshell the answer to your question. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, about uh, target segments, are you selling B2C or B2B? <laughs> so all, all, all of the above and more. So, um, so we obviously sell direct to consumers through the website and then the usual Amazons and third-party, um, uh, well, whatever, marketplaces uh, uh, in the world. Then I, we sell uh, B2B, so obviously the restaurants, bars, um, and so on. And then obviously... Uh, we then sell to the department stores who then sell direct to consumers or B2B to C. So, um, or if there's more channels that are defined, I'm sure we'll do them as well. I think that because that's, as I mentioned, that's the problem. Because I mean, it's anything from like a 
two-year-old uh, kid to, uh, I don't know, 80-year-old doing a dinner party, uh, and then from a corner shop to a big cruise ship. Uh, that's the target audience, which is good and bad in its own right. Mm -hmm. And if you define your stage where you're standing right now, uh, mm. we also... I, I'm, I'm pretty sure people also wondering when did you launch this okay. project? When did it become a real business? Where do you stand today, and where do yeah. you want to take it next? Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, so basically, I started the company a good four, four years ago now, um, and so December 2018, so a little bit over four years, um, and um, basically, it's now in the kind of growth stage. So we are obviously kind of we've proved the market oh. over and over. So. Um, it's now, uh, so we raised money, so there was a crowdfund, so it's obviously part self-funded, part of crowdfunding. Um, I've done my share of Dragon's Den appearance as well. We've had all the press, uh, and Dragon's Den is the, well, Shark Tank or in different countries, different formats. Those TV uh, wannabe investment uh, show. Um, and so, yeah, so then basically, yes, and so now it's kind of like proven the market, have customers. So it's now at scaling stage, uh, clearly. Um, it's also now... I've taken it to the next level where I've kind of like now created all those sub sub businesses, let's call it that. So like, for example, the kids stuff is, is kind of like under the holding brand of strudels. The idea was always to start popping out those uh, sub businesses. So which kind of partly answers your question of like, where do I want to take it? So I'm building a licensing business. I'm not building a product business or not. So uh, the idea is like to establish the character, establish the brand and then create businesses like with the kids. I'm, I'm also looking at other industries. So I'm in the, on the right track with that. So I've kind of now created basically a blueprint. Kind of we've introduced, I've partnered up with someone who's a nutritionist. We created those food activities, food slash sustainability activities. So that blueprint is there. So let's say tomorrow if you have, oh, I have a friend who does X, Y, Z that fits all my company values. I can then plug in that, uh, well, business in the Strudels umbrella. So where do I want to take it? It's just like to continue like building the brand. And the idea is like to, for Strudels to become a household brand that basically if you're thinking fun sustainability, you think Strudels. Um, and then kind of like from a, I, I know, I think when I've made it is when, you know, Coca-Cola has the polar bear as a character. It's when maybe the polar bear, Coca-Cola polar bear is talking to Mr. Strudels about something. So I think that's when... Uh, I think I'm. I'll be happy that I've achieved the brand equity that I'm trying to build. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very important angle um, because the brand authority is much more defensible than the product itself. Correct. Um, in, in any business, that that's actually your uh, mode that you're building around the business, and it's a very smart way <laughs> to go for. Um, you mentioned the Dragons Den as well, so I watched your <laughs> nice, video on Dragons Den, and and I believe I believe they were a bit unfair to you. What do you think? Did this affect you in a bad way, and how did it shape your journey? Yeah, no. So Dragons Den was a, was a great experience. I mean, like very conscious uh, in that sense. So I mean, again, I would do it over and over again with any other business. Probably like the big thing that got me through it is uh, a speaking coach that I had. So I mean, this is again. It's TV, so it's not, I mean, anyone who has ever been in investor meetings, uh, like that's not uh, how they go. That's not the questions that are being asked. I mean, we're in TV, after all, the comments are there to, to create views. I mean, no one's 
well, no one wants this is not no one wants to see people people happy. It's a, it's a TV show after all. So again, everything is in your mind. So again, I was as you, for the people who have watched it. I mean, I can I can I'm obviously smiling on there. Um, it's it's very obviously always like happy um, in, a, in a happy scenario. So. Um, I would do it over and over again, but like it's the speaking coach that kind of got me through it. Because I mean, again, it's like you're prepared. Um, it was very early on in the business um, as well, so again, I like that's that 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 was an opportunity that I took, and luckily I did because afterwards it was two years of COVID, and now I guess I'm too old uh, for that show. Um, and again, it's there, uh, obviously I was there for much longer than the 12 minutes that they shown. So um, obviously, like that's uh, added the questions like the obviously there's answers to some of them that were then cut out uh, for the sake of the show so but as i say uh, any other business that combination of dragon's den and then crowdfunding is the perfect uh, funding combination Got and yeah. again obviously look it's a, like you you're asking me about it now um i obviously then um well most a lot of people ask me i guess i'm recognizable because of the glasses and the business anyways so um everyone got what they wanted primetime tv uh and uh, yeah definitely a great experience <laughs> uh, great great happy to hear that so you would suggest it to other d2c founders as well yes but you need to be ready i mean again like and by ready i mean it's uh, you need in your mind it's to speak you need you need someone like a speaking coach or what other mechanisms they are because again it can i mean i've seen again i think on the day there were five or six people so i mean obviously people are crying and all that stuff and that's what they want to see so uh, i think in my case you see me laughing all the time they actually show me drinking three times if you two or three times because the producer even admitted to show that i'm nervous um because again it's not fun if i'm just smiling so yes, I can recommend it to anyone, but like people need to be aware of, uh, yeah, what of the holistic picture. Um, that obviously it's it's nerve dragging. I think uh, it's it's not for everyone probably, but uh, it's definitely worth it. And uh, especially again, yeah, it's, if you don't get even money out of it, uh, it's great as well. But I think the show formats vary in different countries. Obviously. Uh, what's a lot in the UK, i.e. £30,000, is, is $300,000 in Shark Tank, which uh, mm. I think, so it, it's, I think it's different calibers of, of shows in the different countries. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. So um, we talked about the early days now. You said you started before COVID, end of 2018. Yeah. Um, so why don't we do a little bit of a time travel? And I don't know if it's right to call it a mistake, yeah. but what was the biggest mistake slash learning you made in your early days? Hmm. Uh, good question. Uh, well, probably like the big, big, big one. I uh, I did obviously uh, warehousing. I think like a lot of founders, well, at least the ones with, with physical products. I did that myself. Like, so what I mean by my dad, I had like a, a small warehouse. Well, obviously, it was the... The flat in the beginning, but then like uh, when it's larger, it was a little, um, warehouse next to next to where I, where I live. So again, because I thought external warehousing is so expensive, blah blah blah, all those stereotypes. So I should have switched uh, earlier. Like again, I, I think I only switched probably a year and a half into the business. I don't know the exact point. So I think that's probably something um, I would do much quicker. And then in general, um, externalizing and getting rid of all those. I mean, yeah, obviously you need to 
to do a few things yourself in the beginning to just get your head around it, but just pushing away as much as possible of those, I think, in Porter's value chain, those whatever supporting activities. Uh, like, I think that that was probably like the big thing that I, sh I wish I would have done earlier. Um, uh, so that's probably number one. Um, uh, the other one is, is a funny one. So obviously I'm a sole founder. Um, so yeah, that's that comes that's great for the first two years, two and a half. Can make my own decision, obviously. And at home, yes, my wife is the the great cardinal or whatever. Like she was kind of like the co unofficial co-founder, like with a lot of founders with their partners. But then uh, you reach that point where obviously, like you wish you'd have someone. And obviously, like now creating those sub businesses within Strudels with other people. Uh, I see the value of it. So if you ask me today, again, ask me when I am doing something else, like I the next business I'd ever do is with someone, um, obviously carefully chosen, but I mean, it comes with benefits when someone cares versus someone is paid to care, uh, if you know what I mean. So um, um, yes, I mean, I guess I was always fortunate to have a nice advisory team and mentors and so on around me, um, but I think it is still uh, a lonely journey. Um, so um, yeah. So that that's and then probably yeah I guess more well, that as such in terms of like big 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 things I would have done differently I think not so uh, there's nothing like crazy uh, like that I think it's yeah it's probably just like getting rid of all the supporting functions so I can focus on what I do best which is sales and and business development rather than clogging on uh, and counting the pennies there because I mean me chasing logistics companies is not worth my time kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned the fulfillment part and I know yes. how difficult it is to to scale, especially as a solo founder. And after some point, you need to delegate these tasks to either other people <laughs> yeah. or the service providers. And actually, part of what we are trying to do at D2C will is actually um, talk about uh, the tools and the partners that um, founders are working with. Uh -huh. So. When you first decided to go for a 3PL, I assume you are using one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you make the right choice? Like, are you working with the first one that you started with or you had to hop on from one to another? Um, no, I don't think I know anyone who's working with the original 3PL. I mean, and then I actually have lots of my founder friends who just follow when I go, they'll go as well. No, no, no. I mean... Um, no, I think I've switched, at least consciously, I know of like four that I've switched throughout the time. I mean, now, it's, again, it's now it's a little bit of a different scenario. So like for all the, I guess, because I'm different to some of the businesses, obviously for the e-commerce, I'm with one 3PL, um, whereas my B2B stock is with my distributor with whom I have a logistics arrangement. So it's a little bit of like a funny um, custom, custom arrangement. Uh, but yeah, and uh, I, again, I'm sure they're not going to, uh, here that by again, I'm looking at, at uh, looking at another 3PL. To be very honest, I've just uh, two days ago just asked like a friend of mine posted something that he has a subscription business, he has space and opening logistics. So I'm considering <laughs> switching again. <laughs> then let's let's talk about this. Like, what do you look for when you're when you're searching for a new 3PL? What what has to be there? Well, I, th I think obviously cost always matters, but it's not cost at the expense of mispick. So that's what happened with the first one. The first one um, was a very big one, whereas obviously, again, I was a very small number. So obviously, I piggybacked on their rates, on someone else's rate, would I say like a big, big, uh, what's it called, um, marketplace that they were servicing. Um, however, there was a lot of mispicks. 
i.e. wrong items sell, send to customer, um, uh, when I need custom work done, again, you're just a number, then whatever, uh, custom managers don't pick up the phone. So um, again, that's not fun in the, in the, in the, in the beginning of the journey. Um, so I guess the big, it, it's kind of like a balance between the cost has to be, yes, a little bit more premium, but then it's a balance of like kind of rate of mistakes versus customer service. Um, obviously, I'm considering, obviously, I'm, I'm a small number for some of those guys who, who deal with like the big guys. Um, so I think it's, it's a balance there. Um, but then I, I've actually just remembered, so I am, I, I lied a little bit, I'm not with the same one. So my very, very first, um, it wasn't a 3PL, so I had, I had a company that, uh, like that basically, um, well, it's kind of like almost a marketplace for, for courier rates. So I'm still with them because they used to service a lot of the fashion companies. So again, I was piggybacking on their UPS and like DHL rates. So I still use them to date. But then again, it's, 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 it's there only like you type everything yourself and they just print the label and then organize a collection. So I still hold my stock. So, that, so, I'm, so that's probably the only company I'm still with since day one, uh, like of, of, of launching the company. So yeah, the fun, yeah fun, I totally didn't think about that. But, but with the proper 3PL, yes, I'm, I'm switching. And I th- hope that answers. I think it's, it's, a, it's a balanced mix. But I think, I think in my case, just like, miss picks and like uh, I'm also a customer that demands um, uh, airtime with uh, with the business so I just need someone to speak to on the other line and I need them to reply within let's say 12 hours or to pick up the phone or at least tell me uh, I got your message I'll reply tomorrow or something like that so mm-hmm. um, so your product category is interesting because it is tableware <laughs> but it's also edible so does it have an expiry date <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You're hitting. You're asking all the right questions. So it's partly the problem and also a blessing. So yes, I fall through the cracks with every category. I think it goes further. So I am tableware. I'm partyware. I'm gifts. I'm food. Um, and I'm uh, impulse impulse purchase. I'm I'm seasonal because I'm Christmas gifts. I'm Easter gifts. So I fall through the cracks. So which is partly the problem that obviously, if you look at a department store supermarket. I'm a non-food, sorry, I'm a food product and purchasing, but a non-food and sales. So, um, and yes, it has an expiry date, a decent one. So it's not like one month or two months, but obviously, as you can imagine, I'm building a new category. So, um, uh, so obviously, like when, when it goes, let's say, to the food, bu- or like I, I normally, in, in the early days, we got pushed to the pasta buyer all the time for the pasta straws. So that's why sometimes the straws ended up next to pasta, which was fun. Don't get me started. So, yeah, it, 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 it's a fun educational challenge. And I think, so one of my advisors, uh, he used to do Fever Tree, um, uh, head of marketing there. So they're, they're tonic water. And they had this prob- similar problem as in the category of tonics, believe it or not, didn't exist a couple of years back. Um, so they were, it's education. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's a story of my life. I mean, uh, at least in the drop-down menus when it says retail wholesale, I, I live with that. That's probably the, <laughs> the best categorization. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of product, I mean, yeah, obviously you kind of buy even as part of my logo, it's tableware. But as I say, which is good because I can obviously mold myself. I can suddenly now, my sales guys love it because obviously they can suddenly appear. I'm like a chameleon. If I need to, if I'm pitching to a kid's brand, suddenly it's all kids' uh, gifts. If I'm pitching to a hospital, uh, it's that. So I think it, it's a moldable um, categorization. 
Yeah, for one reason um, I was asking about this is also about oh. storage fulfillment because if you have expiry oh, okay. date, then there, there are different standards that you need to yes, stick yes, yes. to. Yes, 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 sorry, yeah. Um, and probably this did not make your already difficult job easier when picking uh, 3PL. Yeah, I, I think that was, well, yeah, I guess it, it wasn't a problem was, was my intuitive uh, reaction, I guess, because, um, because I guess I was only looking for directly ones that handle food. So it's cool and dry is, my, is the big requirement. So, I mean, I guess the only one, the, everyone I was looking at was compatible. But yeah, I think it, it narrows down the list. If you, mm. like using your argument, yes, it narrows down my list. But that was never a problem because, again, my, my it's, it's still packaged inside the box. So I don't have the, all those requirements like proper food. I know it needs to be cooled and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So it's still kind of, it's a finished good. It's inside the box. So it just needs to be in a cool and dry storage. So that was, ne yeah, I, it is a problem, but then that was never like that main criteria. It's one mm -hmm. of those, like it's a given tick box. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, speaking of uh, operations part, it's mostly the unsexy and the dirty part of the business that uh, founders don't really want to be involved, but it has to be involved no. because there is no other way. If you don't Correct. do it, no one else is gonna do it. Also, it's it's the it's it's the heart of the business. So if your products are not yeah. being stored and shipped well, then uh, then your customers are not gonna get what Correct. they want. So uh, my question is now about planning your inventory. Now, I'll, I'm looking at your website, you have more than <laughs> ten SKUs, I believe. Yeah. Maybe maybe even more if you look into the components. Yes, yeah. um, how have you been dealing with those? Like did you use any tools? Did you use Excel spreadsheets? What was your approach? Yeah, um, and yeah, Excel spreadsheets, I have to admit. Um, again, it was still hit and miss. Obviously, there's quite like looking back at it, you, well, again, because it is perishable. I mean, luckily, some of the products are two, three years. Uh, but on the ones that are less, it's kind of obviously like when I introduce especially different flavors, um, you kind of like, well, you have to accept that you, I lost some money because of expiry. You can obviously still send it as samples, but you know what I mean. So uh, it's, it's a hit and miss. I think by now it's kind of like um, one of those exercises you just write off. Uh, again, luckily, because I have a strategy consulting background, I'm kind of good at modeling my own stuff. Uh, but again, it, it's an intuition slash obviously you can get some experience values. Uh, but I mean, there's unfortunately no, you just have to go through the stuff and then write off some stock. I mean, it's still happening up until now, even with some lines that, like, again, you had a customer committed, you ordered for him. Um, yeah, so I mean, that, it's just story of everyone's life. <laughs> Got it. So, yeah, I believe um, Excel sheets are the the foundation of any business that you can, you can build <laughs> yes. anything on top of that. After a point, Thanks, it Bill. can get difficult <laughs> to scale it. But yeah. but I totally get it. I, I I use it in my own business too for for many many functions. Yeah. Um, but I assume you need more modern tools than Excel in order to run a D two C business. So if you yeah. like to mention your tool stack, what are your must have tools that you have in your toolbox today that you cannot yeah. live without? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, fortunately, I know when it counts as text, WhatsApp. I mean, at the moment, I mean, most of the stuff is done. I mean, because that's the communication tool number one. Otherwise, I mean, yeah, we use Slack. Obviously, then like um, the, I mean, Shopify. That's what 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 uh, e-commerce is run on. 
um uh then obviously like all, all the um relative like uh, the, all the different kind of like apps uh, i forget the names but the one that then pulls in the grid of instagram into onto the website um um yeah so 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 more more things like that but at the end of the day i mean whatsapp is probably number one then you obviously have all the all your google and, and stuff spreadsheet spreadsheet things um uh so yeah I think that's uh, yeah that those are kind of like the the main ones and I think of let's say like around the oh yeah sorry um, no actually yeah I was quite surprised because on the benefit of this upsell those upselling or whatever um, plugins for Shopify again I don't remember the names but the ones well by the sound with AI analyzing purchases and upselling to the customer um, but I mean again. Because I don't have to do anything. <laughs> Customer purchases more, so it's a no-brainer. So it's actually again one of my team suggested it. I mean, it was a free, well, free trial, and then you only pay for what they sell. So I think I was quite impressed. Probably out of everything I've ever used over the four, four years, that's probably the most interesting, I impressive. Because I mean, it does the job. And I mean, yeah, there's obviously Mailchimp and whatnot, but I think uh, the CRMs, HubSpot, again. I'm not loyal to any of them. I mean, it's more like who gives the better price. It's the same, same base functionality, just disguised uh, with a bit better packaging again. Because I'm, I'm not at the size of where I need Salesforce, and uh, that's why in that category they're all the same, same mm -hmm. BS, <laughs> just different packaging. <laughs> so you mentioned the uh, team communication tools. How many people you are right now? Yeah, so there's five kind of like that kind of like in, in and out like and then it's obviously like you're freelancer but then again whatsapp mm -hmm. is uh, <laughs> the the main the main thing um and i think slack is at the moment mainly then used for some part obviously of thousands or not thousands but like quite a few um uh, whatever different groups and impact founders unions whatnot whatever mm -hmm. they all call so i mean obviously that's all being used via slack um although a lot so of switching to external. whatsapp now slack yes Yes, 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 yes. Got it. Right. Yeah, it's also interesting how Slack evolved into an external tool starting as an internal communication tool today. I think I also have more than 10 communities on my Slack sidebar. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, communities, that's what I call. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, again, obviously, when I was in, in the tech world, yes, it was an internal tool, but now it's just, yeah, external tool. Yeah. And are you responsible of marketing or there is someone who's working on marketing on you there there is for uh, i i try not to touch the content uh because it's so time consuming i did in the beginning so um well look i mean my background and the whole company is built on uh brand slash marketing um so yes i am if you kind of to the question yes i am i am uh, in charge because i mean that's everything i have that's like my main asset uh, but I mean, not with the day-to-day -day content development. Obviously, I mean, it's more like, uh, let's say I'm doing a pop-up, uh, I'll send some videos into the WhatsApp group, and then that gets uh, magically turned into a reel. Um, but um, yeah, I try to stay away from the day-to-day. -day. But yeah, no, I mean, technically, and that's why if it would be for me, all I would be doing is just marketing, but on a more strategic brand level. Um, so technically, yes, everything, every single meeting, um, uh, every conversation I have uh, is marketing led when I'm there. <laughs> but right, always then. market. So look, maybe maybe worth me doing the split. Sorry. So kind of like the first two and a half years, marketing was focused on awareness 
uh, now everything marketing need, needs to meet sales. So as long as it's more than five, 10 minutes of my time, that needs to result in sales. Whereas before it was just about whatever followers and like getting brand awareness. So I think that's probably the big difference um, to why I have to unfortunately be involved in that as well. Mm. So speaking of the learnings on the marketing side, what was your biggest aha moment in marketing? Um, good question. Biggest aha moment marketing. So, well, let, 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 let me rephrase the, the answer a little bit. So kind of like the big, the big thing I'm kind of like the foundation of my business, so to say, or like how I'm kind of growing is like partnerships. So, but I don't mean, well, let's do uh, whatever, uh, what's it called, giveaway on Instagram together. I mean, that's uh, that's the simplest form. So it's more, again, we're all lean on uh, on teams, on personnel, on resources. So it's kind of like partnering up with other people, complementary products. So it's whether, let's say, uh, let's take your, uh, your industry, uh, your focus, let's, uh, whatever, um, a drinks brand in my case um here i give you 12 packs of my straws on a like seller return basis can you just try and upsell that in your store to for every case someone gets whatever 20 percent discount on my store so it's partnerships on that level or um you're doing a tasting use my products because again um it's all complimentary uh everyone's speaking to different people so it's, i think my whole business that's why i was like it is marketing but it's not uh, so I think it's smart marketing, strategic marketing. But I mean, probably whenever I do proper speaking kind of opportunities and stuff like that, that's what I'm trying to get across. So I think that's the secret of like working together. Um, and kind of that's why we're all part of so many communities and stuff. But it's kind of like you like piggybacking on each, each other's resources. Because I mean, it doesn't cost me anything if I'm doing a sampling exercise at a trade show to put my friend's drink brand there. Like, I mean, I need a drink anyway, so why not use my friends? Um, and mm -hmm. who knows, maybe he gets noticed. So it's a win-win kind of like karma uh, situation. And I think that's probably the secret to a lot of, a lot of companies. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is an interesting angle because in the D2C space, we often hear performance marketing is their driver for the, for the growth. But I guess you're not really mm -hmm. focused on performance marketing, right? Um, no, I think, uh, look, my my volume is driven by B2B sales, whereas my brand building is driven by, so I think my problem is that, like, I'm in so many industries, so, I mean, look, my ideal customers is a restaurant who buys the product and it has a shop where they sell my, my stuff D2C, um, so that's why I think, don't use me as a, as a standard, because I think, as I say, I'm a chameleon, uh, I can. I mean, I, I can. I'll speak at the very different conferences. If it's an ecom conference, I'll just focus on my ecom stuff, kind of thing. So, um, it. In my case, no. It's more like because um, I have a different. I have, because I'm not a just ecom brand. I've obviously, as I told you, like my my goal is one of like creating a licensing brand, and uh, hence ecom is just a channel, um, mm -hmm. which just better for brand building. But I, I'm not there chasing those last five pounds because, I mean, I'd rather spend the 20 minutes chasing a customer that maybe over six months leads a sales cycle, but it's going to be a big, big deal. So that's why I think I'm a little bit different probably like the other um, uh, people uh, on the platform where you've spoken to. So I think that's, yeah, that's, I think, the difference why, why my focus is different. <laughs> 
but that's that's good. I mean, uh, we're not trying to standardize anyone's story. We're trying to bring out the unique <laughs> yeah. stories out yeah. there. So you perfectly fit into into my <laughs> uh, motivation as well. So I'm I'm glad that uh, we talked about this because partnership is. I, I see that it's getting more and more popular nowadays because of increasing costs on the performance Correct. marketing side. But you do things differently, like the sustainability and partnerships. These are coming from the heart of your story. It's coming that yeah. they're almost going hand in hand. And it's not like you're doing it because you were forced to do it. You are not doing sustainability because you need better competition by adding a sustainability angle. Or you're not doing partnerships because performance marketing is not working yeah. for you. You're doing those because they fit very well into, into your business dynamics. Correct. And, Correct. and I think this, this is an amazing combination. So, and it is not easy to find this combination. Um, before the call, I was actually looking at your profile. This is not your first startup, right? This is not your first venture. <laughs> you've, you've been on this journey for some time. So you must but, know but, how, to, yeah. how to build things. But the first one on my own, I think I was always involved with other people. Yes. And I think, look, I mean, probably the thing that works in my favor is more the consulting background. Um, that's um, why, I, again, I think, well, it's, this, I think this is, this is a standard journey. It's a lot of like ex-consultants and do their own startups, which obviously allows me to run a very lean team. Because, I mean, if I, if I want to, I can do my own modeling. Uh, uh, I can do my own whatever accounts, questions if I want to. Uh, so if I like it, uh, I can, but like I don't. Um, so I think that's obviously that's the big advantage. I think that's where the learning lies. Also, from my consulting days, and I wanted to add that anyway, so on the partnership piece, I think uh, I guess some of uh, readers would have, uh, viewers would have um, uh, heard of a blue ocean strategy. Uh, I mean, it's one of those that get taught in, the, in business school. So I think what that means is, for example, Cirque du Soleil, for people who are not familiar, for Cirque du Soleil, I guess, that most people would have heard of. Uh, it's an example of, um, of, of that concept, i.e. taking a very old industry like circus, combining it, whatever their example was, entertainment and film, and creating this totally new industry. So I think my thing in, um, uh, in partnerships is finding those blue ocean strategies, like the weirdest partnerships with like the weirdest partners. So not the obvious one I gave you, like drinks and straws, but a little bit kind of like out of the box. And I think that then suddenly is interesting for everyone because it's content, it's weird, it's nothing you would think of. Um, so, um, so yeah, so kind of back to your experience. It's more, I guess, yes, it's not my first rodeo. It's my first one on, on my own. Um, but I think it's the consulting background that's probably helping me the most. Because um, in consulting, you have to be, I grew up in Germany, so it was like there even worse. I mean, you're turning up as a 23-year-old in a suit in a manufacturing environment. So you have to basically get yourself up to speed in two weeks to talk on the same level as a Muppet who worked there for 60 years. Um, so um, it's kind of like you have to earn your respect very quickly. So I, I, you have to learn and you have to get up to speed with things. And I think it's that those qualities you and like switching from one industry to another, you realize it's all the same problems, sales, pricing, marketing. So the core 60% is the same, same issues. So I think, and those are the transferable, I think, um, what kind of helped me that I've done anything from diapers for old people to fashion to cars. Um, and yeah, so that's why now even I try to go to general networking events to meet people and not hospitality to hear their problems and then um, drive, uh, 
conclude things that are more that are totally out of the box for me and for them. Everyone's happy and we'll enjoy ourselves. Got it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The past experiences um, contribute a lot to to what we are doing today. Yes. Um, amazing. So before we close, uh, I would like to ask, is there anything else you would like to share with our audience? Um, no, I guess just I, I think as a, as, a, as a takeaway more for people who are thinking about doing something, it's just like it just go. I mean, I do talk a lot. Like, fortunate enough, I've talked to a lot of kids. So uh, a lot of ideas get killed by parents. So, I mean, especially kids have a lot of ideas, especially at those ages of like whatever, eight to, to 14. So it's kind of like for people who have their own ideas, just go for it. It's, it's okay. Kind of like to don't listen to anyone. Kind of like use blinkers like the, what's it called? The horses have um, kind of just go for it. Um, and I think it's about just, I guess the other takeaway is just that sustainability doesn't have to be, I hope it came across that sustainability can be fun and inspiring and it's just basically yeah that, that's what i'm hopefully people take that away that it, it, there is another angle to that topic and um hopefully yeah some people get inspired and, and leave some impact uh, on their on their lives in their world i totally agree well it was a pleasure talking to you I'm very glad that we had a chance to look more into strudels and hopefully people uh, will be inspired from your story, which I'm pretty sure they will. Um, I'm already inspired. I, I, I will go and look where can I find those products in Berlin. Uh, so thank you very much for, for joining. And yeah, I wish you the best of success. Thank you very much for having me. All the best to you as well. Cheers.